this podcast is sponsored by Canoe Club. Canoe Club has been one of my favorite retailers for such a long time, so it's a real honor to have them sponsoring the pod. If you're unfamiliar with Canoe Club, it's a retailer based out of Boulder, Colorado that carries brands such as Engineer Garments, Visvim, Capital, Nanamika, Levi's, Orslo, Friends of the Pod, Marnie, Solomon, and Popeye Magazine, and so much more. They have such an incredible assortment, ranging from under-the-radar emerging brands to beloved heritage brands. I had the founder of Canoe Club, Timothy Grindle, on the podcast, which I'll have linked in the description if you're interested in learning more about the retailer. I'll also be showcasing some of my favorite pieces on the Fashion Collective Instagram, as well as in the weekly newsletter. The team over at Canoe Club has been very kind to offer a 15% discount code for all the Fashion Collective podcast listeners. Use code Fashion Collective 15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, it is Fashion Collective 15 to get 15% off your next order. The link to the site will be linked in the description for you guys to head over and check out the assortment. Hey everyone, for anyone who's new, I am Alexander Walker and I'm the host of the Fashion Collective podcast. Today I have an interview with Rob Bowen, the founder of the Madison, Wisconsin Contemporary Store August. Rob and I get into a bit of everything over the course of the interview, how he got interested in fashion, his favorite brands in the shop, the origin story of August, and his vision of the future. Super excited to share this interview with all of you. I have always been impressed with the curation at the store. It's always great to see a Midwest store carrying some of the best brands in the world, which is incredibly hard to come by as someone who was born and raised in the Midwest. So without further delay, let's jump right into the interview. Hey, how's it going, Rob? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well, you know, trying to stay warm. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. Here in Wisconsin, that's pretty much the uh, top of the to-do list every day. (laughs) (laughs) definitely understand that thank you again for coming on the podcast i really appreciate it do you want to share just a little bit about yourself and what you do and then we'll get right into everything yeah absolutely yeah so my name is rob bohan i own august which is a streetwear and sneaker shop here in madison wisconsin we opened up at the end of 2017 so we're just a little over five years old certainly been an interesting timeline for us just Normally, you know, you don't open up a shop and then have to like deal with a pandemic and stuff like that. So it's been a rocky road, but all all good stuff at the end of the day. Yeah, a lot of those things that kind of came up during our second and third years in, in business. Really, I mean, it was a, it was scary, but uh, it really just kind of I think overall helped us just to become better at what we do and just kind of forced us to see new opportunities. So thankfully, we're still around and growing after all that. So yeah, very thankful, man. Amazing. And we'll be getting to all of that over the course of the episode. Going to the first segment, how would you describe your personal style? <laughs> That's a good question. Honestly, it's funny. Being as busy as I am, I actually don't shop a lot. I mean, I do, but it's really my shopping is like, what size is mine that's left in the store of something that I like? So I, I don't really have a whole ton of time for that. But with what I'm wearing right now, I mean... I think that certainly I haven't shied away from the trend that we've been seeing a lot of like outdoor brands. If you take like a Solomon Advance, for example, Arcteryx, those are brands that I've kind of always had in my rotation, but certainly now that seems to be a pretty popular trend and it's something that I still wear and get a lot of use out of. I think that ultimately for me, 
because I'm moving around so much, I'm at the shop, I'm up and down stairs, I'm running from here to there. I like wearing clothes that are really utilitarian, honestly, man. Wearing like some like sexy garments to the shop, it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> they're just gonna get, they're gonna get ruined or like, you know, I'll wear like a, a nice, I don't know, needles like mohair sweater to the shop. And within 15 minutes, that's hanging on a hanger and I'm in a t-shirt because I'm just, you know, pretty busy moving around a lot. So brands like Acronym or Arcteryx, for example, anything that's got lots of pockets that I can move around freely in is stuff that, is stuff that you'll kind of see me in typically. And same thing, like wearing lots of hoodies and crewnecks, you know, just things that are comfortable that I can be moving around comfortably and honestly. I wish I had a cooler answer for you, man, but that's just kind of the where I'm at with it. <laughs> totally agree. Like, I feel like yeah. that's kind of where my style is even going at this point. Something that you just feel comfortable in. Most of us are on the go all day, so it just makes more sense. Yeah. It's funny because like my salespeople are oftentimes better dressed than me. They got on all their cool outfits and stuff and I'm just black pants, black boots, <laughs> you know, black tee, black hat, just moving around. Yeah. Moving into the next segment, what have you been into lately? So this can be clothing, this could be music, books, TV shows, movies, cooking, pretty much anything. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good question. So I'm definitely a music lover. I know I'm not unique in that at all. Certainly like uh, lots of people into music for sure. But I've been, I've been really getting into, well, my wife got me a, a record player for my birthday. So I've been kind of getting into vinyl. I've always wanted to collect records and get into that. I just, I don't know, man. I just, I needed someone to actually go push me. And she was the one, she went and bought me a record player. She heard me talking about it for long enough. So, so I just started doing that, which I'm pretty pumped on. And we started carrying vinyl at August, actually not too long ago. We got hooked up with a couple of distributors who get access to kind of like rare press vinyl or like different colors, records, things like that. So we're starting to round out that product category at the shop. So I've been kind of getting access to cool titles and things that you wouldn't normally just find at even maybe your average just record store in your hometown. So we're trying to bring that to August as well. But yeah, I would say getting more into that. Man, I've been, I've been actually trying to watch more movies lately too. I just kind of got like in this, I don't know, man, just this loop with just like watching the same series over and over on Netflix or HBO. And I'm like, man, I need to get back into movies. That used to be like a fun thing I used to do. Let me start trying to do that again. So I've been trying to watch like a cool movie every week. And then as for reading, I read almost every day, even if it's just five, 10 pages. I mean, if I could, that's all I can squeeze in. But that's something that's, I don't know if I consider it a hobby, but it's definitely something that I enjoy. And I, I try to do that every day. So I guess it's not something new that I'm into, but something certainly that I try to fit in once a day, at least. Nice. Do you have like a, a record or a movie or a book that you would recommend? Well, what did I just watch the other night? It was really good. Sorry, man. It's escaping me. I'll think of it. But I started watching Prometheus last night. That was pretty fire. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I, we didn't, we didn't yeah. get, have you seen it? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, yeah. So that one, we're, we're almost finished. My wife and I go to bed early, man. We, we started it. We got my son to bed. And then like we got a little over halfway through. But that one was pretty dope. Oh, it was the one that Robert De Niro did, The Good Shepherd. It was about like the beginnings of the CIA with Matt Damon. 
That one, if you haven't checked that out, that's worth seeing. It's not new, but it's definitely worth checking out. That one was really sweet. And then as for books, man, I read a lot of, I guess you could call them self-help books. I know that sounds kind of funny, but I got into an author last year. His name is Sean Aker. And he wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage. And it was really talking about the psychology of happiness and really how there are somewhat simple things that you can do to kind of change the trajectory of your mood over the course of a day and how all of your overall well-being and happiness, it'll overall make you more creative. It makes you more sensitive. It just, you do send off that energy when you're in a good mood. And I think that that's not news to you or anyone else listening. But oftentimes I find it's hard. I think as you get older, you realize that like happiness is not something that you just get to have. It's actually a skill that you have to practice. At least that's what I've found. So I I got into his book called The Happiness Advantage, and that kind of sent me down a rabbit hole of looking at that whole area of positive psychology. So I kind of read books that are in that world, because a lot of that has to do as a business owner, your mood and the way that you're interacting with your staff to your customers can greatly affect the energy in your store and it affects morale in general. So I think that even from like a leadership position, there's a tremendous amount of value in learning about that stuff. So I try to brush up on books in that world, but just like I might even read like a leadership book too. Brene Brown, for example, wrote a great book called Dare to Lead. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brene Brown, but she's definitely someone worth listening to. But anyways, so, and then every once in a while, I'll squeeze in some like some fiction, but fiction is usually not my first go-to for reading. Yeah, Brene Brown's really great. And I'm definitely going to be checking out the other recommendations you suggested because yeah, I think it's like incredibly important, especially if you are like a business owner to figure out ways of one staying positive and finding ways of growing your business and growing it in yourself as well. Moving into the next segment, current events, you know, as we're entering the new year, 2023, you know, as a business owner, as someone who is really into like self-help, like what do you have your eyes on or what are some projects or things you want to work on going into the new year? Just from like a personal standpoint or, or, so, from- or like a, as like a business owner. Yeah. So going into 2023, one thing that I've been feeling a little bit, I don't know, I guess guilty is not necessarily the right word, but like, dude, we used to do so many events when I first opened the store, in-store events. And then obviously anything from live music to a DJ set to like an info session, we were doing those like almost once a month, if not doubled up sometimes twice a month. And then of course, when the pandemic hit, that kind of put the kibosh on, on doing any in-store events, as you know. And since we've been out of COVID, I guess, quote unquote, which I guess technically, I guess we're not, but since all the restrictions have been relaxed, I found it challenging to get back into doing that kind of stuff only because the business has ramped up. So my time has just become a little bit more limited. And because we are a, we are a very small business, I mean, I don't have business partners. So it's really just me who's kind of coordinating all the pieces of my business. And we definitely have not got back into doing in-store events the way that we used to. And to be honest, 
I don't really know if we'll be able to do in-store events the way that we used to. So what I'm trying to do is come up with an alternative to start doing events outside of the shop. And that's going to be one of my main goals going into 2023 is to kind of like try to pump some lifeblood back into doing that. It might not be as much as we were doing before, but I think that's one thing that I look forward to. We also do have like a whole separate brand banner called August Ox, which is our music and performing arts brand banner. So through August Ox, I mean, we put out probably about two mixtapes a month that we do either internally. So one of my staff members is a DJ and a producer. So he'll create his own mixes or he'll tap into his network of DJs and producers, honestly, worldwide to contribute to our mixtape series. We also tap our brand partners to do those for us too, where they'll send us a playlist and we'll mix it. So we've done them with Brain Dead, We've done them with Pleasures, done them with Beautiful, done them with Cool Calm, Iggy New York, Jungles, Passport, just to name a few. And one thing we're starting to do as of the end of last year is doing more August Ox DJ sets at restaurants and bars and things like that. So we're trying to kind of develop the brand equity around the August Ox banner. So I think that's going to be another thing that we're going to be kind of leaning into this year as well that I'm really excited about. Again, music has always just been something that's been near and dear to me. So I think that it only makes sense for us to try to develop some type of music banner at August. And that's what we're going to be doing this year. And that, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And definitely something we can talk further about you know, later on in the podcast. But mm-hmm. it's really, really exciting to hear about you know what your goals are for the new year. Moving into yeah. the main segment of the podcast and just kind of learning more about your journey and developing August. You know, how did you initially get into fashion style design? Yeah. So I guess with like fashion and style and I guess I'll answer that part first through music. I kind of keep on going back to that, but that's just going to be like a consistent through line. I think that has helped to inspire me to learn about new subcultures and culture in general. So that's why I think that it'll, it'll probably come up a lot in our conversation. But honestly, through music, I mean, I got introduced to hip hop at a pretty young age. I'm 43 years old, by the way. And so I think that certainly when I was younger and you could get access to magazines, you know, whether it was Double XL or The Source or Yo! MTV Raps or whatever, and, and we got influenced at a pretty young age by what was going on in New York and LA just through hip hop, honestly. So ever since I was a kid, I guess I've been particular about how I dress or what kind of outfit I might have on or shoes. I remember getting the Jordan fives when I was in like fourth grade. I had to like save up my money and have my mom take me to the mall. And because when I, I can't remember how much they were, but they're probably like 70 bucks or something. But back then that was nuts for like a, you know, a fourth grader to have such a shoe, you know what I mean? But I begged and begged and like saved up my money. And I think they might've helped me out with those. So like, even from a young age, that was, it was something that I was probably interested in. I just didn't know it. But I think that that initially is kind of what got me into looking more at fashion as like a, as like a personality vehicle for you to kind of communicate your individuality and personality, if that makes sense. 
So I think that's kind of was like the genesis of it really was just getting access to music subcultures and then seeing how those guys dress, whether it was hip hop or ska or reggae or, or whatever, or punk. And then it's kind of the same thing now, but back then it was just, it was a little harder, you know, especially being in Madison and not having the internet, <laughs> you know? but that was probably like the start of it for sure. Yeah. So when did you realize you wanted to like work in fashion and you know, how was it as you like entered and kind of broke into the industry? Yeah, that's a good question. It never was really something that was on my mind. It was not like this passion or dream of mine, like oh, I'm going to work in the fashion industry someday. It was actually, I was going to graduate school in Geneva, Switzerland, because I was living out there, which is a whole nother story, by the way, how I got out there. But anyways, I was just finishing up my master's in business management. and. During the course of my program, I became really close friends with this Egyptian guy named Khaled. And him and I became really close. And his family owned apparel factories in Alexandria, Egypt. And they also owned men's boutiques. So they had like a vertical operation where they, they would manufacture dress shirts and stuff like that for Zara and PVH and a bunch of like smaller European brands and things like that. Well, I'm not saying smaller, smaller in comparison to Zara, but maybe they have like, it's a smaller brand in Copenhagen or something like that. But anyhow, they also own their men's boutiques. And I know that Khaled always wanted to open up one of their boutiques in Geneva. So I approached him about partnering and opening up a shop in Geneva, him and I. And through that conversation, that pretty much opened up a new opportunity for me because his mother was the one who, who was running the business out of Alexandria. She wasn't quite sold on the idea of doing a men's boutique outside of Egypt. But Khaled had been like talking about me to her for quite some time, just about his friend and him and I got along really well, but we also worked on a lot of projects together for our master's program. So we kind of knew where my head was at with stuff and probably understood that I was like a responsible, driven person. And through that, they invited me to come to Egypt for an interview because they needed an agent to represent their factory in the United States. So an agent is someone who would go to brands and basically get them to get their apparel manufactured at that factory. I guess that's the short version. So I flew to Egypt. I met his mother and met their executive team and they ended up offering me a job. So that's kind of how I got involved in fashion. It was pretty random, but I ended up finishing my program, graduated, and then I moved to Egypt. Well, I won't say I moved there, but I was there for about two or three months, just kind of learning the business, how this whole system works. And after that, they were pretty much like, well, where do you want to go? And I said, well, I probably got to move to New York. They said, okay move there and let's go. And that was it. <laughs> so I left Egypt and I moved to New York. And luckily I had a bunch of my childhood friends actually were living out there already. So I had like kind of a social network and people kind of showing me the ropes because this was again, before Google Maps was really like a big thing. Smartphones weren't that smart. There were still Blackberries and maybe the first iPhone had just come out by the time I had moved out there. So yeah, it was an interesting time, man, but that's how I ended up being in this industry. 
Oh, it's such a great story. I mean, it all kind of came together pretty or- organically, which is like really great to hear. So then you went on to, I guess, eventually leave that company. And, I, you know, you went on to work for companies such as like Puma, Ready Made Garments. How was your time at, at these companies? Yeah. So actually, after I left, the name of the company is called Naga, the Egyptian company. After Naga and I parted ways, man, it was not great timing. It was actually during the real estate housing bubble that burst. And the economy took a huge, I mean, you remember most likely, I mean, it was nuts. I mean, everyone was losing jobs, people were cut. And Naga and I decided to part ways like right before that. So it took me a while, maybe a good six months before I was able, I was almost ready to move back to Wisconsin. So it took me a little while to find a job, but I ended up getting a job as a, like a junior salesperson at an accessory and licensing company. So I went from being like an agent for this Egyptian factory to being like a junior salesperson at an accessories company that licenses like Budweiser hats and Looney Tunes tote bags, you know, like definitely, you know, not cool, but I needed a job. And I remember my interview, the sales VP was just like, I I think you're overqualified for this job, Rob. And I was just like, that might be true, but I need a job. So let's go. And they ended up hiring me. So anyways, the reason why I'm telling this story is because when I started working at the apparel and an accessories licensing company, it kind of forced me to have to start from the bottom, which is probably where I should have started to begin with. You can't replace learning the ABCs. So I learned what tech packs are and I learned different sales strategies and how to go to trade shows and what that whole system looks like. And it just you can't fast forward too much. There's some valuable foundational information that you need in any industry. And so that's why even though that job wasn't particularly all that cool, I guess, it still at least opened my eyes to like, okay, there's a lot I don't know. So I had to humble myself and kind of start, honestly, start over in a way. And then it was through that job. I was at some industry event. I think I was at Atrium or something like that. Do you remember Atrium? Were you around when when that store was around? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think I was at an event in Atrium. And anyways, through friend of a friend, met like the HR person who was working at the foundation, which is a sales agency. But at the time they were like, you know, they were carrying what brands they represent. G-Shock, Play Clothes, Pusha T's brand, Play Clothes. What else? Gourmet, Native, Urban Ears Headphones trying to think of what else they had at the time. But anyways, they were looking for a, uh, a sales rep to represent Edwin, which is a Japanese denim brand. And so, yeah, I was able to interview for that position. I ended up getting hired over there. And then that kind of changed the trajectory of my job in a major way, because that just kind of opened up the door to this whole world of streetwear, sneakers, and probably a more polished understanding of sales strategy and brand management. So very thankful for that opportunity. And and I'm friends with a lot of the people I work there with to this day. I'm still friends with the guys who own it. We have a really great relationship, both personally and professionally. So lots of like really amazing things happened out of that opportunity. So very grateful for it. Amazing. And then I guess moving towards starting and opening up August, you know, you opened up the shop in 2017 in Madison, Wisconsin. 
what ultimately made you decide to open the store? And how were those like initial days of getting this off the ground? Yeah. So I originally had the idea maybe like two years before I actually opened. So when you're a sales rep, and not all sales rep positions look like this, but when I did it, this is how it worked. We lived in New York and I might be the East Coast rep for whatever brand, let's say Edwin, because we were talking about that before. So I would pack up a rental van or a rental truck, whatever, an Explorer or something like that with all of my samples. And then I would drive from New York to Miami and I would stop in all the cities and the states in between those two points. So, you know, I'd start in New York and I'd head down to Philly and then I'd go down to DC, make my way down into Charlotte, head over to Atlanta and then drop down into Florida. And I'd stop at all these cities and visit the retailers that I worked with, right? Or retailers that I potentially wanted to work with. And I would do that several times a year. Or it might be a Midwest trip where I fly into Chicago and bring all my samples with me. And I take a two-week trip and I'd go from Illinois to Michigan to Ohio to Kentucky, back up to Illinois and fly back to New York. So in doing all of that travel, I got exposed to going to these kind of like smaller cities in these like flyover states that maybe were the size of a Madison, but had like a streetwear shop or a sneaker shop. And that was it. They had one because the city is so small. There's not really enough room for two. And I became friends with a lot of these store owners who are running these businesses in these like small to like mid-sized cities. And I think that's originally what just kind of got me thinking about Madison. Because some of the cities I would go to had a lot of similarities to a Madison. So like when you take Columbus, Ohio, Deontay over there, a friend of mine, owns Soul Classics. Or you got Oneness down in Lexington, Kentucky, where you got the university there. And that's a major draw for the city, right? Same thing in, in Columbus. That's why I'm bringing up those two. Because they're kind of like college towns in a way right? Similar to how Madison is. And when I'm seeing these guys being able to do what they were able to do, that's what just kind of got me thinking about Madison as a potential opportunity. And I'm like, wow, you've got the university there, Big Ten school. And because it's like, I'd say a relatively prestigious public university, it's a good school. So you have people coming from overseas and you've got kids coming from New York and LA and other big cities in the United States that don't have anywhere to shop locally if they're into streetwear and sneakers, right? The only thing in Madison maybe was like an urban outfitter or something, you know, that would like remotely kind of offer that type of shopping experience or product mix. But not everyone wants to shop at Urban Outfitter. So I just kind of like that's what kind of got the wheels turning for me. And then at the time I had left Puma. I went back to working for the foundation because they had recently partnered with Under Armour to kind of help them as consultants and sales to round out kind of like a sports style division for them, right? If you think of like NSW at Nike, that's kind of what they were aiming to do and that they brought us in. So my old boss and friend, Ari, called me up and was just like, I need you back on the team. <laughs> What's it going to take? Let's make it happen. So. 
And I think I was doing that for about a year and a half before I made the decision to pull the trigger and resign from my job and go to develop August full-time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was still working at the foundation with doing Under Armour stuff while I was doing, <laughs> coming up with all the, the ideas and creating August. So it was basically like having two jobs at once. My nine to five, quote unquote, would end. I'd put my son to bed and then I'd start working on August. And that went on for several months. So lots of long, long days for sure in cultivating this concept. Yeah. And so now you've launched the store and you're getting a little bit more uh, traction. How was it in those like initial days when people are coming in and maybe they're not familiar with some of the brands? Like, did you find that more people were familiar with them and you assumed or was no. there like a really great way of allowing them to discover like these new brands? Yeah. So the way that we did it in the beginning, I think it was a pretty solid mix. And I think it still is to this day. Like if you're in the streetwear world, I'm talking about household brand names for people who, who are interested in this stuff. Not everyone's going to hear of these brands, but like if you're into streetwear, you probably heard of Stussy. You probably seen Carhartt Whip around, or at least like you recognize the Carhartt label. Pleasures, for example, obviously a Nike, Converse, Puma, brands like that that are recognizable, that even just like your entry level streetwear kid has probably come across. So we can kind of like get people in because they have some brands that they recognize that they're looking for. Let's use Stussy as an example. But now they might be like over at the apparel rack and they might see butter goods or Bipara, or Mr. Green, or Online Ceramics, or one of these other smaller niche brands that they're not hip to, but they know that Stussy is cool. So they got Stussy in this store. This other stuff must be cool. Let me find out about it. And that's kind of the way. So we also became a place for people to discover stuff too. And we still try to do that to this day, trying to find some brands that are interesting, that have a cool story that people will be like tremendously happy about that they discovered at our shop. There's that whole feeling of discovery. I know that I had when I was a kid before the internet of like, you felt like you found something special, you know, like whether it was music or a magazine or a brand or whatever, it's harder to do now. You can't really surprise people that much because the internet has, has made the world flat and you can get access to anything you need at this point. But I still like to try to like present some, I don't know, not mystery, but like something unexpected, you know, or something at least to have someone say, man, I never heard of that. And then we have had this happen where people do come back to the shop and be like, hey, when I was in the shop last week, I saw Kids Super Studios holy cow, I had no idea that he was from Wisconsin. Wow, what a cool story, blah, blah, blah. And like, so I know that we are doing the thing that we set out to do with some people. So that's kind of the way that we started off. And that was kind of the way that we're still doing stuff. Now, of course, when you first open up a store, you're not going to get every single cool brand that you have on your wish list. There's going to be some work to do, right? But with a lot of my industry relationships, I was able to get open with a Stussy account, right? Which is tremendously hard to get at this point. So I was able to get open with some pretty good brand names in the beginning, which is usually one of the largest challenges for a lot of 
people opening up a retail space in the beginning if they're not from the industry. So we did have an advantage there, but certainly like my brand mix did not look anywhere close to what it looks like now. And that's just kind of part of the game. And then it's just every year kind of like keeping your eyes and ears open and trying to figure out something new to bring in. You're going to have like your staple brands and then you kind of want to have like try out some new stuff, shake it up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is a great segue into the next section that I want to get into, which was like just sharing some of my favorites from the store. Mm-hmm. First one being longtime listeners know that we're massive fans of Cool Calm Studios. Chris has been on the podcast. How did you guys meet? How did you guys develop this relationship and eventually carry him out the store? Yeah. So Chris, I think he just DM'd us to the August Instagram and you've interviewed Chris. So, you know, he's like an extremely likable, charismatic human. Like I said, in our discussion before we started recording here, like a very easy person to become friends with. I just liked his energy and he was funny and just, I don't know, chill and self-deprecating and just kind of like, I don't know, a humble, funny, nice person. So I, we just exchanged some DMs and I was just like, Dude, let's just hop on a call. And that was it. And we just started chopping it up and like, just based off like the aesthetic of what they were wanting to do with their brand and some of the partners they had already solidified, certainly them like locking in union was a great strategy because that certainly got my attention. I mean, that was it. It was really just a good looking product with a good story and a nice person to work with who makes things easy. When you're introducing new brands like that, I mean, he kind of checked all the boxes. Because a lot of times, I mean, we get approached to have brands carried in our shop. I mean, every it's, in, it's nonstop. It's incessant, right? It's just every week there's emails or people want it. But like Chris didn't do what 99% of these other brands do. And his method was more effective. So yeah, that's essentially just how and why we started carrying this. Sh- and we also, it was, it was lucky for him too, because we had like an opening to be able to fit in some new brands. Whereas like right now, to be honest with you, we probably wouldn't have been able to bring in Cool Calm Studios had he hit me up like this month or last month and wanted to bring something in for spring. And the reason for that is we're tapped out. Like I don't have any more space in the store to add any other brand. I mean, unless it was just like a for sure hitter that like I know is going to sell. We've been waiting to get it. But about outside of that, there's no room at this point. Just physically, there's no more room on our racks for more product <laughs> to add in anything else. So it was also like great timing to have him hit me up when he did. Yeah, Chris is definitely one of the most genuine guys I've ever met. And his brand is really incredible. And so I'm like super excited to see that he was carried at, at August. The next brand I wanted to talk about was Kid Super. I think it's like a definitely an up and coming brand. Crazy to see that they did that collection with Louis Vuitton recently, which is like yeah. insane. How did you develop that relationship? That's a funny story too. So as I mentioned, Column, who owns and founded Kid Super, and one of his childhood friends, I think still lives in Madison and would come into the store. And he'd always have on head to toe Kid Super Studios product. And he kind of got me hip to it. So I started following what Kid Super was doing. 
And you know what it was? They weren't doing any wholesale, meaning they, they weren't selling any to any other retailers. They were just doing D2C. But then I saw Kids Super pop up on Feature. Are you familiar with Feature Sneaker? Out in... Yeah. Uh, okay. So I saw Kids Super pop up on Feature. That's when I was like, oh, so they're wholesaling. Okay. So this is just the old like salesman in me. I just went on to the Kids Super Instagram and saw on the Instagram that they're, you know, at the very top where there's like the contact methods, whether it's email or DM or whatever, there was a yeah. call, there was a call button. So I pressed the call button and it was like a 347 number. And I'm like, that's a cell phone. <laughs> that's a cell phone in New York, right? Maybe that's Column's cell phone. It's possible. He's kind of like an out there dude. I mean, he's pretty accessible. Like he's a super kind person. He's super funny. Like, I don't know, maybe. So I just called it and he answered. And I wasn't really expecting that. So I just went into pitch mode and just started, hey, you know, this, my name is Rob. I own a shop in Madison, Wisconsin called Argus. You might not have heard of us, but we carry these type of brands, blah, 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 blah. Turns out I know a childhood friend of yours. Anyhow, big fans of the brand. We'd love to carry you at the shop. And then him and I just ended up <laughs> talking on the phone for like an hour. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, man, obviously we have to have a retailer in Wisconsin. Come on, man. Done. And he put me on an email with like his sales agency and that was it. And then we've had like a really great working relationship. My photographer, well, one of my, well, all of my photographers, but specifically one of my photographers, Isaac, is a huge fan of Colin's brand of, of Kids Super. So Isaac is a really talented young man. And whenever he would shoot the Kids Super photo shoots for Instagram, he would always just go extra hard. And every time like Colin or a sales agency would hit us up and just be like, guys, you've got to share us those images with us. Like those are amazing. And they ended up using them on their Instagram and stuff like that. So and then we ended up getting invited to his fashion show when we were out in Paris last year. And we met him afterwards and stuff. So we've just kind of like cultivated a, a, what I consider to be a, a pretty friendly and strong relationship with the brand. So that's how that all started. That's amazing. That's like a crazy, crazy story. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that phone still, I wonder if he still answers that phone number on, on uh, well, the cat's out of the bag now, at least for your listeners. So <laughs> he's going to have to change it. But that, yeah, no, it's, it was pretty, it was funny. The next brand that I want to talk about was Sasquatch Fabrics. I feel like it's yeah. one of the brands that they don't have too many wholesalers, especially in the United States. So I'm kind of curious how that relationship started. Yeah, you know, that was a tough one, man. I mean, not tough in the sense that, it, I mean, it wasn't super, I mean, it was hard to get, don't get me wrong. But really it just, that brand was just a personal favorite of mine. It was a brand that like I wore, that I think is cool, that I still think is cool. And it was just kind of like, I knew that in the United States, not many retailers carried it. The ones that did or do were good. So we would have been sitting in good company had we been able to get it. So it was just kind of on my target list. And I eventually was able to get open with them. And sadly, it just didn't take for us. I think that it is just a little too slightly obscure of a brand for just your average kind of like streetwear connoisseur. And I think that ultimately, they haven't done a ton 
of marketing to reach the U.S. kind of streetwear person. So I think that it just, even though they've done some cool collaborations, even though they are carried in some of the who's who of streetwear shops, it just didn't click. And I tried it on several deliveries. It wasn't like one delivery that was a little soft and we couldn't move it. No, I tried like several deliveries and we'd get a piece here and there that would sell, but a lot of it would end up just kind of going to markdown. So regretfully, I had to, I'm not going to say I dropped the brand because the door is still always open. I, I mean, again, I have like just a personal interest in the brand and I think it's cool and I want it to work, but we just had to kind of pause on bringing them in for the time being. But yeah, I think that I had met up with them. It was actually my first buying trip in Paris. So like 2018. And I think they were in the same showroom as Brain Dead, And I think Gimme Five was there too. They have a sales agency out of, uh, I'm not sure if you know who Michael Kopelman is, but everyone should Google that man to find out. But I think that it was in the same showroom. And so I was able to pop upstairs and say, introduce myself to the Sasquatch Fabric sales rep at the time. And we just kind of stayed in touch and Within, I think it took us about a year and then we got open with them and then we gave it a shot for, I think, about at least a year and a half, two years before we decided to pause for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things, you know, when you have any business, but especially like in retail, you kind of have to assess like how things are performing and, you know, read which or listen to what you're getting from the customers and what you're seeing in sales. And as you mentioned, like it's always open for something to happen down the road. But yeah, one of my personal favorites as well. The last brand I wanted to talk about was Snowbeak, one of my favorites. They recently opened uh, another store here in New York and Williamsburg, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, how did this develop? Yeah, I, th- I think I saw. I think I saw the images of of their new shop, their new brick and mortar space, and I think it, if I remember, yeah, it looks it looks really good. So yeah, Snowpeak was another one that again was just a personal favorite of mine, and we started out doing both like kind of camping accessories and home goods and apparel. And it's kind of a similar story to Sasquatch Fabrics, unfortunately, where the apparel, as you well know, it's not cheap. And I think that a lot of our end consumers just didn't get it. Maybe it'd be worth it to try it again, just because of like, we are kind of in this kind of more utilitarian outdoorsy camping hiking brand aesthetic right now but i think that for the price point it was just a little hard for our customers to digest if they just didn't understand like what the brand was and we can only teach so much you know we and we are and all my staff is required you know when you work at my shop that you have to be knowledgeable about the brands and speak on them intelligently that was another tough one but so we decided to to stop selling the apparel but we continue to sell the camping accessories and those are still doing pretty good for us. Yeah. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, a lot of people in Wisconsin really do love the outdoors and like going out and go hiking. You know, I know some sections really love to go skiing and snowboarding. So I feel like a brand like Snowpeak would do well. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Personally, really love the brand. What's been one of your personal favorites recently, like in the store? Like you could either be like a piece or a brand. Yeah. So I think that some of the stuff that like, for example, like I personally wear from the shop, I wear acronym. I've been really into like 
Dude, Asics has been doing a lot of really cool shoes with Kiko over there doing some of the design work, even outside of his collaborative product that he does with Asics. He designed some of the inline product that's been really smooth. Again, we talked about Solomon. That's another brand that I wear. Hoka is another one. So you're probably seeing like a bit of a, of a through line here. Dude, Awake New York is another brand that uh, I definitely will order some personals when I'm, when I'm doing my orders. And then Needles and Roa are probably some other ones that I'm going to order personals or, you know, something's not selling. It's in my size. It's coming home with me. So there'd be a handful of the ones that we have, just to name a few. But another brand that we're excited about coming in is Sky High Farm Workwear. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Sky High, but we're excited about that one. That one's coming in this year. Gramici is coming in this year. And I'm trying to think about some other stuff just off top. I think those are the two brands that we have coming in that we're all really excited about, as well as uh, Carne Valente as well. That, that, that's going to be a fun brand to carry. Nice. Yeah. Really excited to hear that you're going to get Sky High. I used to work for Comme des Garçons. Sky High is one of our DSMP brands. So always excited to hear that more and more people are going to have access to their garments because they do incredible work. Love what they stand for. And then Gramici is like a fan favorite. And I think that that's one of like, I mean, outside of the fact that they're doing things that like the brand itself, just like the ready-made garments, they look great. So not only do they have a great product, but then to your point, their whole backstory with sustainable farming and a lot of this humanitarian work that they do with food equity and, and things like that. I mean, and especially being in a state like Wisconsin, where farming is is obviously a major industry here. I just felt like there was a lot of adjacencies to their brand ethos and what August stands for. And, and I thought it'd be an interesting partnership. And there could be some other things that we can explore together, just from like possibly even an activation standpoint. But anyways, was was really happy to pick that up. So and I think that in general, that's kind of like what I'm looking for moving forward. Not entirely, but like certainly like looking for brands that do have a little bit more of a unique kind of backstory or like value system that's driving the brand versus just making things that look cool and trendy. So they kind of like definitely checked all the boxes there. Yeah. Shout out to, you know, Daphne and the entire team over there. I mean, again, doing incredible work. I think this is again another segue. You know, what else should people be? keeping an eye out for in 2023, anything that you'd want to plug? I know the team must be busy getting prepared for SS23. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of let the cat out of the bag already and let you guys know like what the <laughs> what new stuff is coming in from a brand standpoint. We're going to be doing more SMUs with New Era that I'm excited about. So that's something to kind of keep an eye open for. We also... I guess, again, I think just keep an eye open for our August Aux, more stuff coming from August Aux, more mixes, more live DJ sets. And then the August Forum podcast is new for us. We just launched it about two months ago. So we also have a bi-weekly podcast that we put out where we're going to be interviewing not only just like industry people that I know, but also just putting a focus on creatives and entrepreneurs and people doing interesting, cool stuff in Madison. So we thought that'd be a great way to like shine some light on our city while also giving our local listeners access 
to people in the industry who are doing interesting things as it relates to fashion and art and just other creative endeavors in general. So that'd be another thing to definitely keep an eye open for. Yeah. And everything will be linked in the podcast description for everyone to check out. Again, like the website, in case you're not living in Madison, you know, it's a really great place to go and check out most of the brands, which is really exciting. So definitely check it out. Thank you again, Rob, for, you know, coming on the podcast. Wow. Thank you so much, man. It's been great. I had a great time today. Thank you for having me. That now concludes this episode of the Fashion Collective Podcast. Stay up to date on all episodes. Please follow us on Instagram at the Fashion Collective Podcast and subscribe to the show on your preferred